OETA, Oklahoma's home for public television. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Oklahoma News Report podcast. I'm Rich Lenz, OETA News Director and anchor of the Oklahoma News Report, which airs Fridays at 7 o'clock and repeats Saturday at 5.30 and Sunday at 1.30. Each week in our show, we host a roundtable discussion called In-Depth, but often there's much more said than we have time for. Now that content and information is coming to you digitally as we bring our in-depth segment and others to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. This first week, to kick us off, we have two previously aired in-depth discussions and a new one from this week's show. They're calling it the Big Quit. In August of this year, 4.2 million Americans walked away from their jobs. Where did they go? Who's going to replace them? And is this a temporary development in response to the pandemic or a fundamental change in how Americans view work? Big questions. And here to try and answer them, moderator Susan Cano and her in-depth panel of guests. Thank you, Rich. Yes, this is uh, an issue of the day, a topic of the day for Oklahomans. And we have a panel of um, guests who um, really know their business in this arena. I'm happy to introduce them to you. First, we have Betty Taylor, who is the regional director with Express Professionals. Uh, she works with connecting workers to jobs. We have Jamie Johnson with the University of Phoenix. She is a career advisor uh, for career services, nationally certified, have been working in the industry for 30 years. And then we have Dr. Russell Evans, who is the interim dean at the Minder School of Business, is an economics expert, uh, specifically with a focus on Oklahoma, which is wonderful because that's what our focus is on. Thanks all of you for being with me today. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank, you. thank you. Well, I'd like to dive right in with a number. Um, nationally, 4.2 million workers are said to be quitting their jobs. Uh, Russell, I'd like to start with you. Um, what do you make of that number? Is that an unusual number or is that normal? So it is, a, it is an unusual number. It's not unusual to see a spike in that number at the end of the summer. There's There tends to be a lot of uh, a lot of quits, voluntary separations at the end of the summer as people go back to school or, or summer employment wraps up. But it isn't, even for the spike, it is an unusually large number. <clears throat> and there's a number of reasons you know, for that, uh, not least of which is that it's a great time right now uh, to be in an entry-level job. There are a lot of job opportunities available. And so you see a lot of people uh, you know, quitting jobs in search of, uh, you know, better or different opportunities because there are so many opportunities available to them. Uh, Betty, I'd like, I'd like to come to you. Um, what are you seeing at people who are passing through e Express? Are there a plethora of jobs out there in Oklahoma or elsewhere? There, there, there are a plethora of jobs. Uh, I believe last, last week, I think the number within this region for Express in Oklahoma was over 800 jobs available. So uh, I walked in the day as an example and within an hour I had six new job vacancies. So there's a plethora of jobs. It's just such a highly competitive market right now for talent. Well, Jamie, are you seeing the same thing from where you said? I mean, this has got to be good news for students at Phoenix and, and other uh, universities, colleges, uh, trade schools. Yes, I would say, you know, last time at this year, um, we were definitely seeing people struggling with finding work. Many people had lost their jobs due to COVID or were, uh, you know, kind of in hiatus because of COVID. And now we're suddenly seeing uh, left and right just alone in the University of Phoenix every day, I'm seeing announcements come through 
I'm getting news from my students and alum that they're finding opportunities. So there's definitely a hope and there's definitely a positivity going on with finding something different, which I think is part of a, partly connected to what's going on. People are ready for a change. Well, Russell, I want to come back, um, back to you. Is that what's happening? Because as Jamie just said, people were looking for jobs a year ago. Now I'm seeing news. You see the signs all over your towns, wherever you are, hiring, hiring, hiring. Uh, why aren't people going into these jobs? If they're moving jobs, as has been mentioned, why are there still so many jobs vacant? Yeah, so if you think about the nationally and also in Oklahoma, if you think about the ratio of the non-farm, like the, the payroll employment jobs that are empty right now, relative to the number of people who identify as unemployed, you actually have less than one unemployed person for each one of those jobs. And so there just, there simply aren't enough people who self-identify as unemployed. And, and these numbers come from two different surveys, right? One survey is your survey employers and asking them uh, you know, about their job openings. Another one's a survey of households and you're asking people really do they, do, do they identify as unemployed as being as, as not working for pay or for household profit for, for personal, you know, personal gain. And so when you think about that, so I just have, I just don't have enough people for those jobs. And so the question then, the people who are participating in those jobs are kind of cycling through. So you have lots of separations as people look for incrementally better situations. And so I'm, I'm leaving my retail trade job here for this retail trade job over here where I get to work, I get more flexible scheduling or I get to work with a friend or I get slightly better pay or, and so you begin to see people cycling through these jobs. And then the other question that we really have, I think that, you know, that really sits at the center of, of policy right now is whether or not we have people who are not participating in the labor market at all, who if we could bring them back in would identify as unemployed and then would help uh, to absorb some of those some of those job vacancies. And so right now you just have a you just have a disconnect between the job vacancies and the number of people who identify as unemployed for those vacancies. I'm going to want to come back to you on that, but I want to I want to go to Betty really quick. What are folks who are looking for work saying to you? Are, are, is that, are they echoing this? Let's get into the nitty gritty. What do they say? I want a different opportunity. I want to do something different and this is my chance. They know it's their chance. They know that it is definitely an employee's market. So those that uh, had thought maybe that of looking at a different opportunity, maybe a different industry, they're, they're doing that now. They're leaving for various reasons to echo Russell's comments. Uh, sometimes it's just to a little bit more money. But what I really find is people over the last year have really focused on quality of life more than ever. And a lot that I'm hearing are people that are leaving companies because they want more flexibility. They want more life balance. They want those, those uh, non-tangibles become almost as important as the money. So, you know, when you couple the fact that before we went to 2020, uh, we had about 3 million baby boomers that were leaving the workforce. And then 2020 hit, we get flooded with the workforce and and production isn't occurring. Well, now production's coming back at full force and the workforce hasn't gone back at full force. So people are really taking their time and assessing what's the best opportunity, not just for their income, but for their lifestyle. So you say they're being picky. Are they being picky? Are they saying, mm, I don't want this job. I keep looking for a better one that fits, checks everything on my list. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's picky as they're just really assessing the overall quality of their job and how it relates to their life. 
um, and that in relation with pay and benefits. I just think, you know, last year, we all kind of got received an eye-opening, if you will, about yeah. the importance of mental health and emotional health for all of us. And because of that, people have really put an emphasis on this, this job doesn't meet those needs anymore in my life. It might be great money, but for my family's sake, for the future of my children, I need to spend more time at home. I need more flexibility. And that's really, I wouldn't say picky, but they're really looking at those things much more uh, diligently than they ever were before. Yeah. You know, something that might not seem obvious, but you know, daycare costs, parents have been staying at home with their, their kiddos and probably saving a lot of money. Is that factoring into decisions on whether or not to, to, to go back to work? I'll, I'll let any one of you answer that. I was going to say, just from a personal perspective, dealing with some of my clients, they are enjoying those who are working remotely and that they've been able to manage their family and take care of things and they have the flexibility. So I think that's a factor in, number one, obviously saving that cost and also creating that work-life balance. On the other hand, I've also heard the struggles of those with children at school age working from home with those who were during the COVID mm -hmm. period struggling. So I think... Um, for many of the people who are working remotely and enjoying that process, they love saving the money and they like the flexibility and control they have with their lifestyle. Do our other two experts concur? I, d I definitely do. And I know for those that aren't working remotely, there are several companies out there that do pay per child as, a, as an incentive. I know that uh, our headquarters is one of them. They pay $5,000 per child to help cover those daycare costs. So that kind of goes to, to companies being sensitive to the needs of their workers and what are their needs, not just at the workplace, but outside the workplace because they, they intermingle and uh, being willing to contribute to those in cost. Jamie, what's the average age ballpark of the students that you work with? We're working with adult students, so they range anywhere from the traditional age up to um, 60 plus. So I see a wide range of Students are definitely in, the, in that 35 to 45 range, but I, they expand all different ages. And it's interesting, everything that they're saying is right on board with where they are, because I'm seeing students who've been working in the hospitality retail industry, who are now ready to grow and move and no longer want to do that type of work. I'm seeing people working in the corporate setting. I just spoke with two individuals this morning in high paying, high level corporate positions who are ready to leave. They're willing to go to a retail job. That's how burned out they feel. So I think it's proven in history, anytime we go through some kind of major change transition, that after that change transpires, we begin to see this rethinking of who am I? What do I really want to do with my life? And that starts turning into this whole reprocessing of what the world of work is gonna look like, especially with the new normal. So we're, we're really seeing uh, another transition economically and individually in the lives of our uh, you know, fellow workers and employees across the board. So quickly before I get to Russell, I do wanna ask you, what do you advise your students? I am, well, I'm working with them on the, on the purpose of who are you, what do you want to do with your life and what is that gonna look like? Let's examine your skill sets, let's examine your work interests, Let's look at where you are in the process and what you need to do in the next steps. I'm encouraging them to really look at themselves and take this time since they have the time to focus and look at the work 
because as they were sharing, they're looking for meaning. You know, we talk about meaning, being, and doing. They're tired of doing. They want to seek meaning and they want to have that wellness and that holistic life. Okay, Russell, I keep hearing no one's uh, going to work because they're getting such great pay uh, from unemployment. And so they, can, they don't have to work and why go to work when you're getting paid? Is that true? Is that what's happening now? Or, or are we really seeing the, the, the meaning of life in business now for people who, who can now be in the driver's seat when it comes to what they do? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of both, but it's, it's mostly what, you know, what Jamie and Betty have already talked about, right? So changing economic policy will certainly, you know, uh, affect some of that decision making, but that's not the driver of the reluctance to re-engage the formal labor market. The reluctance to, to, to re-engage the formal labor market is really, um, you know, again, some of these life-changing events and just really rethinking who are we as workers, who are we as consumers, we, you know, we see this, you know, we see this going through. But it is the case that in Oklahoma, right, if you just look at the first round of, cor of coronavirus relief policy, just the, go, go back to the Trump administration, the CARES Act, just that very first policy, you know, you're talking about fifteen or $16,000 for every one of Oklahoma's 1.7 million workers flowing into the state just from that one round of policy. It was a tremendous amount of policy support. And so if you ask yourself, well, what would it take to get people uh, to fully engage the labor market the way they used to? Unfortunately, the answer is what it will take is a distressed household budget. And so it's, it's not going to be until you get a distressed household balance sheet that you're going to that you're going to see people really go back and react as you know, the way uh, I love the way Jamie described it really be, being willing to go back and return to a doing mentality. It's going to take it will it will it will be the case that it will take a, a distressed household balance sheet before people are willing to, to accept some of the trade offs of of meaning and being and accepting doing as a way of life again to try to try to make those ends meet. And so so it's a little bit of both, but it's I think it's mostly the. The, the, the residual from the pandemic. So Dean, I'd like to stay with you. I call you Dean in title. That's not your name, your name's Russell. But I'd like to stay with you. If we don't see those uh, empty posts filled, what kind of impact will that have for specific industries or in a broader economic sense? Yeah, I think a lot of interesting things really could happen if it, if it went on, uh, if it goes on uh, long enough. So what you would see is you would begin to see uh, upward pressure on wages, which we're already seeing, right? So we see these upward pressure on wages. The part of this increase in wages is good. It's healthy. Uh, it's it's good for those job levels. But part of it, the concern is also with, with current monetary policy, that if you start seeing wage pressures going up, those wage pressures are passed into consumer prices, which then require higher wages. And, and the, you, if the Federal Reserve loses their control over inflation expectations, you could get a case where wages and prices are both going up together in a way that's not good for, for workers. And so, uh, so to, to some degree, wage increases, you know, we expect to see wage increases, part of that's healthy, part of that's not. I think the other thing that you'll see long-term, if, 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 if you were able to hold this position long enough, is you start seeing a capital for labor substitution. And so you'll start seeing restaurants, you'll start seeing uh, retail trade sectors moving away from uh, uh, labor, away from staff and towards kiosks, towards using machines, tools, capital in place of labor. And so at some point you'll see uh, in the production process, even at, at some high touch point jobs, people trying to find creative ways to, to, to engage consumers, but with, but with fewer workers.
I'm going to be investing in tech or AI industry immediately after this interview, if that's the way the future looks in the retail industry, uh, not only for America, but the world. Um, I'll uh, just say, you know, one interesting thing here, but before we went to the pandemic, that's where things were going, right? Think about all your fast food restaurants and it was the self-order kiosk. And then in the pandemic, nobody wanted to go to those high touch kiosks. And so they kind of, you know, they kind of fell out, but we were already kind of moving in that direction. And so I think as, if, if, as the pandemic passes, if you're still struggling for workers, I think you'll just see, I think you're going to continue to see that capital for labor substitution. All right. Well, I have, I have uh, some stats here. OU Health announced this week a $50 million workforce investment guaranteeing a $14 minimum wage, paid weekends, tuition reimbursement, and bonuses for referring a hired candidate, among other programs. And this question is for anyone. Is this something employers uh, could turn around? Will different incentives like the programs at OU draw in nursing and medical staff to work? That's a good question because I think we're still going back to is money enough to draw people in? And that's something I'm hearing an eternal struggle going on with my own students and alum and clients I work with because as long as they're comfortable, they're not going to change. They're going to have to be drawn to be uncomfortable as he shared earlier and special shared earlier. So I think the question is, what is it that's going to be the true internal motivation to get them to work again? I know the individuals I'm working with right now, it's quality of life. It's, you know, having a lifestyle I can be with my family. It's making enough income, but I'm willing to change things in order to bring that quality of life. One survey I just read recently talked about that 48% of people in this past year in their jobs of this, those surveyed were willing to quit and leave because they were tired of being burned out and wanting to find that better quality of life. So I think that's part of the hint. I mean, I just saw an ad for Amazon here where I'm located in North Carolina, they're seeking people um, and they're trying to do incentives of $3,000 bonuses plus up to $22 wow. an hour. That was not the case a year ago. And so I think, you know, it's not, it's gotta be more than money. And the question is what is internally driving um, people today? And that's what we need to see because that's what employers are missing. It'll be interesting to see how this shift affects the workforce in the next uh, three to five years. Um, does anyone want to make a prediction? Oh, I think I think uh, household balance sheets will get distressed. I think I think people will revert back to some of those old behaviors. It will just take time. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it still won't what's what still won't be resolved is the mismatch the, uh, in the job market at, at the higher levels, right? So at the higher skill levels, there will still be, uh, at least in Oklahoma, you know, we will still be confronting this mismatch of how do we, how do we train and prepare either through formal or informal education people for, uh, you know, the the high skill jobs. That high skill sector as uh, is still going to be a, a difficult challenge for us to prepare workers for. Betty, I'm going to give you the final word as we close out our interview. What advice do you have for people who might be considering re-entering the workforce? You know, I would say to be open to all opportunities, know what you want going in and don't be, uh, don't settle. I mean, there's really no reason to settle. If you go into a job and you're settling, it's it's not gonna meet your needs, it's not gonna meet the company needs and ultimately just gonna lead to more turnover. I do think that, that companies as a whole are beginning to see that, you know, we've got to treat our workers with a little bit more compassion and understanding and not just push them for the production dollar. Um, 
especially that especially happened those that went to work or those that were still in the workforce they are they're burnt out and uh, i think we have to be more sensitive to those needs so i would say know what you want know what you're willing to um, to look at and uh, be open-minded i would i would echo russell again and just say you know the thing for the future for me is we have got to come to some agreement on how to educate uh, the people coming into the workforce, or even those that are coming back into the workforce, whether that's through apprenticeship programs, or especially for skilled labor, there is such a huge gap for skilled laborers. And you know, uh, laborers, and they pay well, and they are typically uh, a very family-friendly type scenario. So, um, I would I would look maybe to educate yourself, keep yourself up to date on technologies and. Uh, just don't give up and don't settle. All right. I'd like to thank all of you for joining us today. Great information to share with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Support independent journalism in Oklahoma. Donate at OETA.tv slash podcast. That's OETA.tv slash podcast. From OETA. Oklahoma's home for public television.